song. Uh, uh, I will be reading from Matthew seven thirteen through fourteen. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is broad, broad, that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small, and the way is narrow, that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Thank you, Landon. All right, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 13. That's where we're going to be at today. I wanted to just say thank you as well for, um, I several of you have mentioned or or sent cards or let me know that you're praying for my family as uh, my grandfather passed away this uh, few weeks ago and I flew down and uh, together with my father we performed his memorial service here uh, on Friday and so it's been kind of a whirlwind time for for us but uh, it was was amazing how uh, my grandfather, tell you a story, this uh, my my step grandfather, when he and my uh, grandmother um, decided that they wanted to uh, try to pursue a relationship there in their early 50s at the time, because both their spouses had passed away young, she just said, "You got to get on board spiritually if you're going to be with me." And and he did. And that's some things that came out at the funeral that was really neat, of just people in the community where he's been living, uh, have just shared that he. Um, he was always kind, he was always joyful, and he always invited me to church. And I just appreciate that so much. And, and so that's a, a great example for all of us, but I appreciate during this time, the, those of you that have reached out to me, I appreciate that a lot. And, and so that's been one big thing that's happened in our family here the last little bit. The other big thing is uh, hunting season starting, the rifle season. So here we go, you know, exciting times. And as leading into the lesson that we're going to share today, something that I was thinking about was is think about okay this to I'm going to share something that'll hopefully set the the scene for what we're going to talk about here from Luke chapter 13 is there is a, there's times where I've been walking along and maybe you found yourself in the same circumstance and there's a cattle trail okay the cattle trail Something I've learned about cattle is they always take the path of least resistance, right? A cow doesn't go up a hill if it doesn't have to, right? That's about how it works. And so the cattle trail will go along, and it'll just kind of meander, and it may go up. And then there's a trail that goes like this, through the brush. And you look at it, and you have to squint a little bit to think, yeah, that's a trail, that's definitely a trail, but boy, I'm not sure that I want to walk up that um, can you relate to that? You know what I'm talking about. Is There may be two trails. One is, is clear path, and one of them, I have to look a little bit, and I have to think, am I willing to commit going up there through the brush to get to where I think I need to go? When I think maybe this path will lead me there eventually. I'm not sure, but that path sure seems like a lot more work and a lot more effort. Okay, Jesus is going to share something as he continues on. In uh, verse 22, chapter 13, verse 22, he says, says, Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Remember, remember, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. From chapter 9 to 19, Jesus is walking along, and all the scenes take place with him walking along or stopping in a town along the way, but he's on his way to Jerusalem. And someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? I wonder why this question came up. 
this question, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? And maybe it's because they're starting to realize that this kingdom that Jesus is talking about is different than they anticipated. Remember we talked about what they wanted or what they anticipated was, was a great kingdom that was, was lots of with grand halls and big politics and big parades and armies and all that sort of thing. And Jesus is talking about kingdom in a way that they don't anticipate. He's talking about kingdom as, as a mustard seed or yeast, something that is very, very small, but that grows into something great when you give it time. And so people are, are scratching their head thinking, wait a minute, he's, he's not talking about what I'm thinking about here. I've got unmet expectations, so I'm going to try to figure out what on earth he's, he's talking about here. And along the way, someone getting the picture says, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? And Jesus responds and he talks about what his kingdom is like over the next few uh, passages here. And more so anywhere else in in Luke up to this point in time, he shares what his kingdom is going to look like. And he said to them, Make every effort to enter through the narrow door because many, I tell you, will try to enter and not be able to. So first of all, he says the kingdom of God is like a narrow door. Uh, There is a a picture of a, a narrow door here. But there was, uh, when I was, during my park ranger days, when I was working at Libby Dam uh, during the summers between, uh, uh, and during my college years, I remember that there was, uh, as we gave tours throughout this hydropower dam, there was one door that had been designed, you know, an architect had gone wild or something like that, and there was a, a door that was designed that had a, a weird angle to it, and it was about this big at the top. And we took tours through there sometime. And so when we had to go through there, you couldn't just walk through as, as we normally would walk through a door. Had to turn sideways and had to scoot along like this. Okay, for some of us, walking through a door is not so simple as just walking through a door, right? Landon? Yes, walking through a door is not so simple as just walking through a door. Because some doors are not to code and they're less than six foot eight inches tall and it hurts when you hit your your head when you're walking through a door. And so Jesus is saying here, walk through, enter through the narrow door. Okay, he talks about in Matthew, which, which he doesn't include here in Luke, but Landon read it here just a minute ago. Jesus makes the contrast between a wide path and a narrow path. The concept is the same here. He's saying enter through the narrow door because yes, that's the answer to the question is yes, a few are going to be saved. There's a lot of people that are not going to be saved when they come into my kingdom. And so that phrase right there would have caused people, you imagine as Jesus is walking down the road on the way to Jerusalem and someone says, Jesus, are, are only a few going to be saved? And Jesus says, enter through the narrow door. Is yes. That's what this means. He continues on in verse uh, 25. He says, once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, You will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you've come from. Then you will say, We ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. Wow. And Jesus uses another example here. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house. And you see what the interaction here is. Some of the people are saying, Wait a minute here. No... The door is shut. Knock, knock, knock. Let us in. Come on. We, we've hung out. We're friends. We, we, we know who you are. And the owner of the house is going to say, Wait, you don't, I don't know you at all. I have no idea who you are and I'm not going to let you in here. And the point being is that 
Jesus is saying, many think they are part of God's kingdom, but they're not. And so that should, again, okay, you can see as, as Jesus is walking down the road here and people are asking, you can imagine the crowd that's walking with him starts muttering, thinking, wait a minute here, what is, where is this going? This is uncomfortable for me because are you meaning to tell me that I think, I might think that I'm just fine with God, but I'm not? How, how does that work? And he continues on and he says in verse 28, there will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. People will come from the east, west, north, and south and will take their places at the feast of the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first and first who will be last. And so the next uh, example that Jesus uses is a great feast for faithful people from across the world. Okay, this great feast, we're going to talk about this next week because this just introduces us to a, a greater concept. The feast of God that was, that was talked about in a lot of Jewish literature at this time is a, a, a feast that when, when, when the kingdom of God comes where all the righteous people sit at the table and, and there's, it's referenced quite a few times throughout the New Testament. And we're going to wait till next week and we'll walk through that. But this, he's starting into this discussion here. He says there's a great feast for faithful people across the world. And, and just imagine, here's some faithful people like Abraham that is sitting there. And, and guess what? There's some people that you're anticipating are going to be sitting at the Feast of God that are not going to be at the Feast of God. And there's going to be people that, are, that you're not going to dream are going to be at the Feast of God that are there. In other words, it's going to surprise many people who, is and who isn't in God's kingdom. Because the people of Jesus' day had it the Jews had some things lined out. thought they understood very clearly where Jesus' kingdom was and where it wasn't. And in, these, in this answer to this question, this simple question, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? Jesus describes a whole lot of things about his kingdom that make the people walking alongside him pretty uncomfortable at this point in time. Let's look through this and unpack this a little bit. So what Jesus says here is that with my kingdom, there's going to be few people that are part of it. Man, that is, uh, I think, for whenever I read that, that causes me to call a timeout and think, okay, wait a minute here. This is time for me to, to reassess and rethink what exactly uh, Jesus is, is sharing here. And you think about the people of Jesus' day, the religious leaders, some of these people that are walking alongside Jesus, that are listening. And um, it says here a little bit down that there's Pharisees that are walking alongside him, so maybe it's the Pharisees that are that are asking this question right here. But they're walking along and they're listening to Jesus' teaching. And they're thinking, man, you know, there's those people over there as you're walking along. Whew, those people are, are messed up. Oh, there's people over there. Those people are, are horrible. These people misunderstand everything. These people are, are full-on pagans. Oh, let's not even go there to the, Jew, the Gentiles and the Samaritans. Boy, we can't we don't even talk about them. They're, those people are horrible. And I know that there's, boy, there's some synagogues out there that where Gentiles will come in and they'll listen, but boy, are they going to be up for a rude awakening because they're not anywhere near the kingdom of God. And so... Jesus' comment here is designed to cause the people that are asking the question to pause and think, wait a minute here, what, what, what are you talking about? What, what does this mean? Because they had the lines of, of his kingdom all lined out exactly where they knew they were going to be. There's, uh, there's people that fast twice a week, they're great. There's people that don't fast twice a week, <laughs> you know, who knows what's going to happen with them. 
when the old law just required one day of fast per year, and it was a, a personal decision that others made. But do you see where these people are at? They're wrestling with this, or, or they're not wrestling with where they think God's kingdom is. They've got it figured out. They've got it dialed. And Jesus says, mm, my kingdom is not what you anticipate because few are going to be a part of it. In addition, many will think that they are a part of it, but they're not. In, the, in Matthew, it seems that Jesus indicates that those who think they're going to be part of kingdom are not, are people that are, if you read through Matthew 7, that are they're doing ministry things, that are they're trying to heal people, that are doing st- stuff like that, being active and trying to do ministry. And he says, no, no, I don't know you. Here it seems that, as, as Luke mentions, Jesus says, you know, we, we saw you teach, we ate with you. Why aren't we in your kingdom? Why, what is that all about? And Jesus is sharing something here, is that just because you have seen me, or just because I have sat at the dinner table and ate with you, doesn't mean you're mine. It doesn't mean you're part of the kingdom that I'm talking about. There's something more to it than that. And in addition, it's going to surprise many who is and who isn't a part of Jesus' kingdom. And I can imagine as these religious leaders are walking along there side by side with Jesus and they ask this question and they start thinking, wait a minute here. Are you saying that Jesus says there's going to be people come from the north, south, east, and west? He's talking to the Gentiles. They would have understood that. Don't you know that there's going to be people that you don't anticipate and you don't dream that are going to be sitting there at the table of God at the great feast? You have no idea who they are, but they're going to be there. And there's people that are walking alongside me right now that will not be there. And you can imagine as they they continue to walk on, there's all sorts of of rumblings and, and discomfort because what Jesus has done is he has just put them in a situation that all of us who follow Jesus come to world is rocked and we have to wrestle with where am I at with God? And, and my presuppositions and all the path that I've walked, is, is that where I need to be? Is, is that, wait a minute. Oh, hang on. Time out. Time out here. You know what I'm talking about here. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, we have those times where we come face to face where there are our own shortcomings, our own misunderstandings of God. And we have to decide, am I going to run with my understanding and just continue that, or am I going to take a time out here? I'm going to get my head together. I'm going to submit to God and what he's telling me about his kingdom. And that's what Jesus does to these people here. So this leads me to a, a bunch of different questions. As I've, The last couple of weeks I've been, I've been pondering this. And I'm going to ask you a few questions and walk through them here that this text brings up for us. First of all, how do I enter the kingdom of God? Because this question comes up. This is part of, of this discussion here. How do, wait, wait, if, if I think I'm all right and I'm not, then how do I, how do I, how, how do I make sure, how do, how do I approach God in that? And so we see from Scripture um, that what God asks of us, okay, and, and we could walk through Scripture here and we do and, and we will again and we'll continue to, because this is important. When God asks of us is that we approach him in faith and repentance and baptism, we, all of those things come together and lead us into the kingdom of God. But what those things are not, faith, repentance, and baptism, are just check marks that get us through the door and we're good to go. Okay? I, don't want to, I don't want to be misunderstood here. But I have walked through the discussion of becoming a Christian with people where they've said, all right, what do I need to do? Okay, I'll approach God in faith. Okay, check mark, good. Okay, um, 
need to, to repent of your sins. Okay, good. Check mark. Okay, what else? Be baptized. Okay, check mark. Okay, good. All right, thanks. Good. I'm, I'm good to go. There they go. Okay. But what disciples of Jesus and entering God's kingdom is about is saying, I am going to, who I am at this point in time, I'm willing to leave that behind in order to follow Jesus. And I don't know what that means, and I don't know what all that's, how to sort all that out, and I have no idea what the future holds, but I know that what I've been doing up to this point in time does not work, and therefore I'm going to give my heart and soul to God. I'm going to approach Him. I'm going to live by faith. And that's not just a one-time thing where I, I look up at the sky and blink a couple of times and say, yeah, God's there. I'm a, I, I got faith. But it's a decision that we make continually as we go through life. It's a Repentance is a decision that we continue to make is that after we've become a Christian for, for 30 years and we look back and we still say, I, can st- I still want to live a repentant life. I still want to leave sin far behind. I don't want any of that stuff. And when we submit to baptism, we never forget where we came from and that the grace of God continually purifies us day in, day out as we continue to walk along. And so that's entering God's kingdom is how some of the Jews tried to do it in Jesus' days. Some of the religious leaders is, well, I was, as Paul says in, in Philippians, I was born, I, I had all of these, he just mentions, talks about in Galatians as well. I was uh, born of the tribe of Benjamin. I was circumcised in the eighth day. I had all the right parents. I had all the right training. I had it all. I was all, every bit of it. But it meant nothing to me because I missed the big picture. I missed what God was doing. I missed the heart of God in all that. And so I entered Jesus' kingdom with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And live out a life that is continually looking to, to produce that fruit of the Spirit. God's Spirit living in us that continues to flow out. Here's another question. And there's more we can say about that. But what I'm trying to get across is that is, is if, we, if we just approach Jesus, it's like, all right, Jesus, I want my check marks. What do I do? And then I go do my own thing then we can come face to face someday with Jesus saying, what was that about, okay? Come on. Come on, I wanted your heart and you never gave it to me. Here's another question that I wrestled with this week. How do I know I'm saved? Oh man, if Jesus is walking down, he says there's only going to be a few that are going to be saved. How do I know that I'm one of them? Because I see all these promises of God and of salvation and, and peace and joy. And how on earth can I walk through life with peace and joy and all that kind of stuff if there's only a few of us that are going to be saved? Okay. Let's, I want to take a time out here for just a second and think about this. I've, I've been in conversations with people on a few different times over the years where they've said something like, man, you know, Jesus said a few are going to be saved. All those people out there, they just don't care about God. That's, and I got the impression, listening to what they were talking about, is they really just didn't want to move out of their comfort zone. It was easier to say, there's only a few going to be saved than for me to do something about it. And let me give you an example. When I was... In Italy, there was a, a man that, he was a, had been an American missionary for a while there and then had gone back to the States and, and he'd been a professor and he'd done some different things. Very faithful guy and I, I learned a lot from him. And he was, uh, we were in a, a context where, where some of the, uh, there were some church leaders at a church that was really struggling that were saying, 
Oh man, you know, there's just so many people out there that just don't want to follow God. Jesus said there's going to be few that follow Jesus and His kingdom is, is going to be small and that's just the way it is. And what they were really saying was, we don't really want to look at our own stuff because it's a whole lot easier just to point the finger at everybody else. And what I remember what my friend said. He said, yeah, there's, you know, there's 20, 30 here in a city of half a million. But... If there were 200 here, would that still only be a few? Wouldn't it still only be a few? And his point was, and he very lovingly walked these church leaders through this, he said, sometimes we say we're few because we're faithful, but I really think we need to to look at ourselves and maybe ask the question, are we few because we're unfaithful? Because we're really not fulfilling the Great Commission in our lives day in, day out. Really not sold out for God. You see his point there, is that this can be, can be misunderstood. Okay? But what is Jesus saying, how do I know that I'm saved? How can I walk through that? I understand, and remember the context, is Jesus is dealing with these religious leaders that are so steeped in tradition that they are not willing to consider what God thinks, God's way of doing things at all, because they've already got it figured out. And so I see the promises of God that we have in Scripture is that, I mean, just look at First John chapter 1, and, and I go back to this periodically because I think it's so important for us to live this way. First John chapter 1. First John chapter 1, verse 5, it says, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light, in him there is no darkness at all. So God, is it's all light, it's all good. If we claim to have fellowship with Him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. So if we claim to have fellowship with Him, yet walk in the darkness, we're, we miss it. Okay. So his, that's a call to honesty and transparency there. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus His Son purifies us from all sin. So if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, with each other, we walk through life together. We have fellowship with God. And it says the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us, continually purifies us from all sin. And so something that the religious leaders and these people apparently that Jesus is walking alongside with did not do is they did not go through life saying, God, I'm an open book, I'm transparent, and I want to be what you want me to be. They were not willing to even do that. They were willing to do, say, God is this. God hates Gentiles. God wants only the people that, are, that, that I think are, are inside of God's kingdom to be in his kingdom. And I'm not going to mess with anybody else. And I am absolutely unwilling to question that presupposition. Okay, hopefully that's not where any of us are. But the, these people that were walking alongside Jesus... They understood. They, they were, you know, they, God was walking alongside them, and they were didn't see it. They couldn't understand that. Um, what excludes me from being saved? And this goes back to the the previous question: is what these people, these religious leaders, and, and so many, they walked alongside Jesus, and they walked alongside with pride. With, with arrogance, with hidden sin in their life that they were unwilling to repent of and just continue to walk along. And that, ultimately, Jesus is saying, those type things will exclude you from God's kingdom because you, you won't be what I ask you to be. It doesn't work. 
Okay, who is in and who is out of God's kingdom? Okay, I'm going to I'm going to tell you right here who's in and who's out of God's kingdom. Okay, I'm going to explain it to you and and we'll walk through it. Okay, you know I know that as as a young guy back in the day, you know, I remember wrestling with this question a lot: who is in God's kingdom and who's out God's kingdom, and 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 what's a salvation issue and what isn't, and all those sort of things, and trying to to wrestle through some of that. But I came to a place of great peace one day, and it was, maybe it wasn't day, it was a process that I, I, I went through. And I've, as I've told you before, there's parts of me that are, I'm a recovering Pharisee, okay? But I remember just coming to the realization that, wow, you know, I'm never going to figure this out. Is that... God, we see some things very clearly from Scripture. Is that if, if we pursue sin and, and have no regard for God whatsoever and pursue that, then we will be separated from God for eternity. We see that clearly from Scripture. But there's a lot of things that I just don't know the question of. And parables of Jesus, talking about the parables of the net, or parables of the fish, or, or parable of the weeds, all those type of things. Jesus gives us very clear warnings all throughout his ministry to tell us, your job is not to decide who's in and who's out. Your job is to plant seeds. And I remember when I finally got my head and heart around that, because I think my, my wrestling with who's in and who's out was, come, came from a good place. I just want to understand what God wants for me, and I, I just want, I want to follow that. But when I finally gave it up to God and said, wait a minute, I keep seeing this teaching over and over again coming up that Jesus says, you just let me handle that. And this great comfort came about that, wait a minute, I can't untangle all that. I can't figure all that out. But my job is to day in, day out, be one that plants seeds and helps bring people closer to Christ. And boy, when I got my head and heart around that, the freedom that, that I felt that I was not the judge of all eternity or whatever, you know, whatever it is, was tremendous. And maybe you guys were, you've never wrestled with that. And maybe you're way, way more spiritual than I am and you're way far further ahead in that journey. But that's what Jesus is indicating here. Is that there's people are saying, are there only going to be a few people saved? And Jesus says, you're going to be surprised at who's there and who isn't. And there's just a lot of things we don't know in this life and we're not going to be able to figure out. But, this, there's, but what we can decide to do is say, whatever my part is in following God, I'm going to be the best me I can be. Every one of us. Let's continue on. Verse 31 it says, At that time some Pharisees came to Jesus, as he continues to walk on to Jerusalem, and said to him, Leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. He replied, Go tell that fox, I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow. And on the third day I will reach my goal. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside of Jerusalem. And you hear some sarcasm here from Jesus. And what he is sharing here is that some of these Pharisees, and, and it, was, it wasn't that they were always opposed to Jesus. It was a complex relationship. They walked alongside Jesus. They listened. He ate with them. But some of them were saying, wait a minute, Jesus. You need to run and hide because Herod wants to kill you. He wants to execute you. And that, that's happened to godly people before. Nehemiah, he was, he was told to run and hide once because there was going to be people coming and do him harm. And Nehemiah said, should a person like me run when there's danger? That's not what I'm going to do. And Jesus says, in essence, the same thing. He is, I'm not going to run and hide 
And no one can stand in the way of God because God's plan is for me to die in Jerusalem. And can any prophet die outside of Jerusalem? Of course not. You know, that's just where prophets go to die is, is Jerusalem. Should have been the opposite, but it's not. And look at verse 34. It says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent, sent to you. How often I long to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you are not willing. Look, your house has left you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, as he laments to Jerusalem, I just feel the, the, the compassion and the emotion that, that drips out of him here. He says, God tried to bless you. He tried to give you the best. But you rejected him. And therefore judgment is coming. And about 40 years later, the Romans march in and level Jerusalem. And there's great destruction there that happens because of it. And I like this picture here. Because that's what God was trying to do. That's what God was always trying to do. It's like this hen just gathers the chicks. Now, very different. There's a rooster picture up there. How many of you have ever been attacked by a rooster? Yep. Yeah, it's fun, isn't it? It's great, yeah. This is the opposite. Is that God wanted to gather in people of Jerusalem. Like a hen gathers her chicks. His dream, his goal was for people to be able to come from all over the world, to come to the temple there, and for people to come out and say, look at the God that we serve. Would you come and listen? This is what God is about. He's about generosity. He is about taking care of the sick. He's about taking care of those who are wounded. Come to me, <laughs> and you can have the joy of the Lord. But what happened is so many, and not all by any stretch, because we see after Jesus' death, there's all sorts of people come to Jesus. But so many walked through life and did not submit to God's will for them. And that's why it's few. That's why there's few now, it seems, that, that choose to follow God. There's so many other things that, that people will do throughout the week instead of putting God first when we look out at the world we live in. But hopefully for us is that we wake up every morning saying, God is still number one, and I choose to be some of the few, whoever those are, that are going to be part of God's kingdom. I know that I see this cow trail going this way, and that looks so easy just to walk that. Oh, I don't have to even break a sweat, and I can just walk that. But I'm not going to go that road, because I don't know where that road leads. Probably to destruction. But with this road here, this trail, that looks tougher... I know where that trail's going and I'm going to take that trail because I know that that's where, where God's presence is. And I'm going to, to take that path even when I sweat, even when I, I fall down, and even when I, I get bruised up and scratched up because that, that trail's more difficult. I'm going to take that trail because I know where it leads. And so when we talk about living the abundant life of Jesus, what Jesus would have loved to have get, got across to these people that were walking along with him. Living the abundant life of Jesus is not just sitting, is not sitting on the sidelines watching, observing, and, and, and never really learning or, or never leaving personal comfort or, or just going to church but never being transformed. But what, what I want for you is I want you to pursue and embrace the teachings that I'm giving you. And as we see in Acts chapter 2, I think they... The apostles devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, or the 
Christians devoted themselves to the apostle teaching, so to Scripture. Devoted themselves to understanding Scripture, to the fellowship, to being in the presence of others that are going to call us higher, other Christians. Breaking of bread, participating in that Lord's Supper, remembering God's grace still is here. No matter what happened this week, I'm still in, I'm on, and I'm still pursuing because I know that Jesus is going to, to return again. And to prayer, dedicating myself to prayer day in, day out, because I know I have this, this uh, connection with God, and He's listening, and I can continue to share my burdens with Him, and, and He is going to, as, um, as Fred and Chris sh- showed with us today, He will take those burdens away. You know, something that Fred mentioned, he said, we need someone who's really strong to come up here. And he mentioned Chris. And I thought, <laughs> I'm, I thought, why on earth me? So he picked the right guy. You know, Chris Hallbach's got big muscles. You know, that works. But that's, that's the, a beautiful example of what, what God wants to do for us. It takes a, is to lift those burdens. But it takes us deciding, I'm going to be part of those that, that, that take the goat trail. That is, uh, that is different than the easy path that our world is going to run down in. At the end of Luke chapter 2, it says something about Jesus. Uh, before, it's the last story that we have of Jesus before he's an adult. It's right on the tails of where Jesus goes to, um, he goes to the, um, the temple and his parents lose him for three days. They lose the Son of God for three days. You imagine the conversations there. But it says right after all that, it says Jesus is obedient to them and he, continue, he goes and he, um, he, uh, he, he goes home with them. But he says, don't you know that I was going to be about my father's business? One of the things that it shares, it says, and Luke is just the narrator, and he says, and Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, and in favor with God and people. And I look at that and I think that's a great message for all of us, is, is what God's kingdom is what it, God wants of us to be uh, part of his people is growing in wisdom, growing in knowledge day in, day out of what God wants and what he, uh, who he is so that we can be more like him. Growing in stature. Okay, so some of us are done growing. Some of us will be growing for a while. But we can take care of ourselves physically as we continue to, to pursue God and growing in favor with God and growing in favor with other people. And we walk day by day through uh, doing that, that's part of what Jesus wants for us to be those chosen few. Those few that choose to say, I am totally in with Jesus. Wherever he leads, I'm going to follow. And I know there's going to be times where I have to live outside my comfort zone, times that, that learning who God is is going to absolutely rock my world, but I am in. And boy, choosing that day in, day out, Beautiful. And that's what Jesus is asking for each one of us. And, and I would just encourage you, I know this is, for me, this is convicting this week, and hopefully it's convicting for you. But I hope that it's encouraging that we have a God that is up there pulling for us, that wants us to take that goat trail, that wants us to take that and says, I'm here, I'll walk alongside you. There's bumps and there's bruises. But I've got a great plan for you, and I've got a great path for you. And uh, we can wake up every day being excited about being part of that mission of God. Or, so if there's any sin that you got in your life or there's something that's, that's causing you just to, be, just to be complacent at this point in time, then let's talk. Let's pray about it. Confess it. 
Uh, the elders are waiting in the back, and they're glad to walk with you through whatever you may be going through in life right now. If you'd like to become a Christian today, you're welcome to head to the back, and, and uh, you can become a Christian today. You don't have to wait any longer. Let's stand and sing together.